0: Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, will be learning Kufiud Bez in Masechus Ksubos. How many Dapim are there, after all, in 112. So, yesterday, as fate would have it, like Barry Zilzayin Gazan says, everything happens for a reason. For whatever reason, it's been one long cough since two days ago, and now, Baruch Hashem, I feel a little bit better. And it was the Gemaras, I mentioned two days ago, Barry, I was listening to Rabbi Shalom Razner Shlita, the great Dafyami master, the O.G. Dafyami master, his Subas Kufyud, Kufyud Aleph and Kufyud bays, walking, doing that walk from our apartment uh, off of uh, off the Shuk, walking straight shot on rehoviafo to the Kotel and back. Can you imagine if you told the Tanaim and as they were collating the Gemara that some some orthodontist is going to be walking in Rehoviafo to the Kosel listening to Shiurim. Every part of it would be mind-blowing. A big schuss indeed. And so yesterday's daf, not to, uh, just to give a quick recap, we'll begin today nine lines down in the widest of lines on Kuf Al from Bez. All right? Uh, where it says, Ki towards the end of that line where it says, Ki Ravdimi, you'll soon see why we're starting there. That's talking about the wondrous... Productivity that will take place in the end of days in Eretz Yisrael. That Eretz Yisrael will just blossom, right? This was like written at a time where it was uh, it was being destroyed to be dormant for like two thousand years and uh, more or less, uh, only to come back, right, uh, in full bloom, right, in recent times, in our times. Um, so, of course. I'm walking through the, the, the streets of Yerushalayim, and isn't it interesting and quintessentially Jewish, I guess you could say, that in yesterday's daf, the same Gemara that says, if you don't live in Eretz Yisrael, ain't lo elokah, right? Such strong statements. It's like you're, it's like you don't have, it's like you're godless. And then, and then the Gemara says, what do you mean? i exists. What do you mean you're godless? No, don't feel like you're godless. Just you're worshiping Avodah Wow. That's that's the consolation that you're not. It's not like Einlo Laka, but it's like you're worshiping Avodah Zara, right? An, an incredible statement. At the same time, that Gemara has the Gimel Shvuos, which the Maral brought down in the article explains so exquisitely. These Gimel Shvuos, right, that we see in Shira Shirim, an oath of sorts, right? With Satmar Rav um, takes the position that we're supposed to somehow sustain this very unnatural state of gullus, right? Uh whereby we don't uh we do something that is very unnatural in the sense that no other nation, you could say, right, no other people would be exiled for this long and just not dissolve. What kind of, what is what kind of business is this? To be exiled and scattered and not dissolve and just maintain, right? That in itself, as Mark Twain says, is a absolute testament, right? to the survival of the, of the Jewish people itself is in itself a kiddush Hashem. So, you know, are we supposed to be in Galus? Are we supposed to be in Eretz Yisrael? That We leave that for the gedolim uh, and people bigger than us to decide. But let's just say both sides would concede, certainly, there, there's no place like Eretz Israel, right? It is a singularly unique place, um, uh, just that the relationship is complicated, right? The relationship with the Jewish people with Eretz Yisrael, it's complicated. Why is this in Masechus Ksubas? Rabbi Shalom brings a source, that I don't remember what the source is, but basically, we know, you know, when we talk about it, the payout of a Ksuba, so that happens upon death or divorce, right? Where at the end of Masechus Ksubas, this is something that we have we we realize, right? That's not lost upon us. But um, there is a point earlier on where the Ksuba symbolizes the love between the Chas and Kala, We know also the concept of Tosefes Ksuba, right? That when the chasan is proposing to the kala, he is showing affection, right, by making certain promises. I'll take care of you in this way. I'll take care of you that way, right? We're saying in the future, you know, should you ever need anything, I'll always be there for you in this and that way. And so uh, Rabbi Shalom Razner points out, perhaps this is the connection, one of the ways of of describing it. Obviously, there's the halacha, uh, as we said also, that part of the Ksuba, whether one could force each other, right? The actual topic of the mission: whether one spouse could force the other to live in Eretz Israel or to live in Yerushalayim, um, and if and by force we mean that if right they don't follow, then they, the marriage can be dissolved without ksuba. That or, right? If if the if the husband forces it, or if the wife forces it, then the husband would be forced right to pay the ksuba. So there is that. Halacha connection, but there is also the hashkafah connection that the Eretz Yisrael is that Tosef Ksuvah, so to speak, in that marriage between us and Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that He promises that one day we will be able to receive right the ultimate relationship with Hashem in the rebuilt city of Yerushalayim in Eretz Yisrael. Maybe be to see that day soon. Okay, so with that introduction, we'll talk about the greatness of Eretz Yisrael at the end of days. Rabbi <laughs> Ravdimi Amar, Ravdimi came, as we know, from Eretz Yisrael to Bava. And he spoke the, uh, the praise of, of Eretz Asol. What, what does it mean when it says, when the Pasuk says, this Pasuk actually is in safe or This is the Bracha of Yaakov to his children. This one specifically to Yehuda. In that Bracha, I guess I'll read the Bracha, uh, it's hard to know what these, what these words mean, right? It's all allegory and, and, um, symbolism as we'll see, right? He says, Chem As, Bakar, Well, in, in, in the Gemara it says, the part of the pasuk says, Lagef iro. He's gonna tie a donkey to the vine. What does this mean? He's gonna tie a donkey to the vine. Right? You're giving Yaqub's giving Yehuda bracha. he's gonna tie a donkey to the vine to the to the vine. What is he trying to tell him? Okay. So the in the actual Pasukim it says, Lagef and Suso. We're going to explain that and in the next pasuk. Okay, if you know what these, if you study the bruchas, uh from Yaakov to his sons, then maybe you have a better idea of it. This is, we're going to expand on these psukim of Yehuda now. So says the Gemara, what, what does it mean tying a donkey to the vine? It is an allusion to the end of days where the Eretz will be so plentiful that there won't be a single gefen, a grapevine, That won't require the entire population of a city to pick his grapes. In other words, it'll be that bountiful. Right? This is such a fanciful idea to think about. For 2,000 years it was fallow. Now we see the land fruit, uh, so, um, so developed. And it's an incredible thing to see the actual, right, um, these psukim come to life. Uh, following with the pasuk, continuing, ulis sreka bni asano. What does it mean that you're going to tie the vine branch, the sreka, to the donkey's uh, to the donkey, uh, to the donkey's child, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, because referring to two donkeys, that there won't be a single tree in Eretz Yisrael, a is a tree that's not fruit-bearing, but somehow it will miraculously bear fruit, right? So even the non-fruit-bearing trees will bear enough fruit to load up two donkeys, two donkey children. Wow. B'shem tomar bo yain. Okay? This is all unnatural, right? Obviously. Having these donkey children carrying fruit from non fruit bearing trees. And lest you say that it has no wine, so then Talmud Lomar, Talmud Lomar here is referring to the next pasuk in the Torah, in the Bracha, it says, Ki You're going to launder, right, his clothing in wine. Uh, an allusion to the fact that these grapes not only will be good for grapes, but it'll be good for wine. That's what... Uh, that's what Yehuda Deutsch says, that the American grape juice, because we have Israeli and American grape juice. says so the American grape juice is grape juice, the Israeli grape juice is raisin juice. All right, Think about it, dream about it. Anyway, so yeah, so you're going so so these grapes will give off wine. Okay, Veshematomar Eino Adom. If you say maybe, but it's not red wine. Talmud l'omar. And then here is some emendation of the text. It basically um, boils down to Uvedam Anavim, right? Uvedam Anavim saying like the blood of the grapes. Okay, well, the blood of the grapes uh, implies red wine. And maybe you'll say it's not meraveh, which means that it's not going to make you drunk. Talmud Lomar is suso. Suso means enticement, like the enticing, intoxicating aspect of wine. Okay, so that's in the Pesach to teach you that it will be intoxicating. Okay, maybe it'll be red and it'll be intoxicating, but it won't have a good taste. Talmud Lomar, chachlilei enayim miyayim. Chachlili means like, usually supposed to mean that you become red-eyed from wine, like you're drinking so much. But chachlili can also be broken down, that word, um to say, kol chaych sheto'ama omer li Right? Chaych li That any chaych, which is a palate, right? Tidbak l'shoni lechiki, Right? Im karechi, with regards to Yerushalayim. So the chaych, which is the palate, Anybody who tastes this wine will have to say, Li, Li, give me more, give me more. To me, to me, to me. Chach li, li, is saying it will in fact taste good, okay? When you read, when you, when you first learned these brachas of Yehuda, did any of this occur to you? No, this is unbelievable, right? Anyway. I don't know why you'd say this, but maybe you could say only the young kids are liking to drink this stuff. But the older, refined people, it's not that uh, sophisticated of a wine. Talmud Ulavain. Shinaim Michalav Which means to What? A white Levain, white tooth, Levain Shinaim Tooth whitening Michalav Whiter than milk Yeah, but we expound Don't call it Like tooth whitening Leven Shinaim Of many, no, Leven Shanim Rather, Leven Shanim Leven Shanim meaning many years Right, okay So Levain Shanim, many years an illusion within an illusion, right? You're taking a pasuk that you're already explaining, right, symbolically, and you're also changing the word to mean something else, to mean that this will be a sophisticated wine that the land will bring. So now the Gemara says, on this only on this last piece of Leven Shanim, that uh, someone of many years, it says, Okay, uh, I, I was asking myself the same thing. Okay, so you expounded it to mean that it'll mean for an old person, but what's like the pasuk shah? What's Levenchi right? What does the whitening, what does tooth whitening have to do with any of this, Andrew? So says the Gemara, Kiyasar Dimi, so when Ravdimi, sure enough, when he came from Eretz Yisrael, he, ex- he explained that. He says, Kiyasar Ravdimi, Amar Knesset Yisrael of Nekarsh Baruchu. says to Hashem as follows Ribbon Rimoz Remos Beinecha Divisim Mechamra. Ribbon Shelolam, give us a wink. Remos Beinecha, right? How do you hint with your eyes? You give a little wink. A knowing wink, right between like two lovers, where where just let us know that you're here and that you love us. Sometimes you get that, Barry, right? Every once in a while, like you 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 know when you know we're talking about our complicated relationship with Eretz Yisrael. When we moved to Ramat Be'Shemish in 2003, um, there, there was no question in my mind that this was that I just beat out Mashiach. It's going to come any day now. Okay, when we came to Baltimore in 2019. Um, it was a more somber recognition that, okay, we're still on Gallus, hopefully Mashiach will come soon. But, when our whole family moved around us and my sons and, my, and, and then Bubby moved next door just as past Rosh Hashanah, and you see that this is where we're supposed to be for the moment, and when I met Barry, and when I met Andrew, and I met Karanowitz, and we started learning, so that's like Hashem giving you a wink, right? There's nothing better than Hashem telling you you know, this is where you're right. you're supposed to be now. And I'm with you. And sometimes in galus it feels like, oh, Hashem is, re- is re- far. However, this is what we're is saying to Hashem. Give us a hint with a wink, with your eyes. That's the most, that's, 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 once you know Hashem's there, you can handle anything. And furthermore, right. So, so in other words, if you give me a wink, it's It's sweeter than wine, right? More fragrant than wine. Or achvilichinaim, show me your teeth, which is to say, smile at me to Hashem. Smile at me, divsim mechalava, which is sweeter than milk. So you should smile at me, and that's what it means when it says, "When I'll see the whiteness of your teeth, I know that Hashem is smiling, and that is sweeter than 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 milk." <coughs> now, the Mar says this interpretation is consistent with what Rabbi Yochanan the Great, Gadol Neris said. Rabbi it's better means you show the whiteness of your teeth to your friend right is bad we should have this hanging up in the office it's better to whiten your teeth better than, better than to feed him milk but again better to smile at your friend right and make him feel good than to actually sustain him physically is what it means right the emotional um, effect of smiling at someone's... Are we going to get into this, Andrew Rev Kahaneman? Uh, not Rav Kahaneman. His nephew, Kahaneman, the, psych- the psychologist who won the Nobel Prize in economics. Uh, thinking fast and slow. He did an experiment. Basically, when you smile at somebody, then they smile back at you. It's like a natural reaction. And your own endorphins, right, make everything feel better and make you feel better and make you actually physically healthier. And... By the way, you give that gift to the people around you because they smile back and now they feel better. Like Rav Palm said, as quoted by Rav Shalom Rosner, your face is a rishus Hashanah Rabbim, Andrew. Your face is a Rosh Hashanah So you should always smile at everyone. I know, you do it as a business uh, uh, tactic. I, 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 I read that part in Kosher Money. Uh, anyway, so you say, So anyways, <speaking in Hebrew> Right? The white tooth is better than milk. Tooth whitening. Right? Tooth whitening, otherwise known as smiling. is a value. Okay? Now, no better endorsement in tooth whitening than this. Now, Story time. Talking about how productive Eretz Yisrael was before the Chorban. Chiyabar Abba used to teach Rish Lakish's kids. So, he was a tutor. That was one of his side hustles. Okay? And he also had a, an orchard. So, tata yomi, so, tata Ipkar tata yomi yasa. For three days, the tutor doesn't show up. So, kiasa, he, he finally shows up. Amalei, amai Rish Rishalakish, asks that his son's child's tutor, where were you? Amalei, so, here, Abra explains, my father left me a hanging vine. So, I had no choice but to harvest this. Uvat from the first day, I start picking 300 clusters of grape. Each cluster is producing a, a garav, basically a saw of, of yain. So it's a lot. It's like a barrel, perhaps. That's a lot. Okay. The second day, I also picked up another 300 clusters, but now every cluster, instead of producing um Instead of every cluster producing a saw of wine, every two clusters produce a saw of wine. So the clusters became a little bit less productive. Okay? So every day he's got these 300 clusters. But on the first day, each cluster is producing a barrel or a saw. On the second day, every two. And on the third day, it takes three to fill up a barrel with wine. But at the end of the day he had so much produce that he had to just let go and abandon half the stuff. So Amalai, Rish Lakish said to him, if you hadn't missed taylor right, if you hadn't come and absented yourself from your obligation to come teach you here, then you would have even produced more. Why he needed to produce more, I don't know, right? In other words, Rish Lakish was saying this was a punishment, that it became less and less productive. He had to throw out half the stuff anyway. But anyways, point is, the, right, the interplay of Torah... And the time devoted to study and learning of Torah, and also the time devoted to uh, reaping this land. But in any event, this is an indication of the incredible productivity of that land. Okay, now another story: the fruitfulness of the land right before the Churban. Rami Bar Yecheskel, equal of Bnei that is in Eretz Yisrael. Barry, I don't know if you made it to Bnei on your trip. Okay, you didn't. Neither did I. So you went to Bnei Brak. Chazanhu lehanhu izei. He sees goats. He thinks he sees goats. (coughs) Excuse me, the Kachlon Tuesday to And they're eating (coughs) under the fig trees. Oh, so this is the ultimate like uh, vision of prosperity. It's the modern day version of, you know, when we have these fountains and we throw money into the or you see people throwing money into the fountains in, in the in the mall. There's places in the world where there's no water or money. Right, and people are starving and there's no money at all. And here we are, these rich Americans, just throwing money for no reason into fountains that are just gushing water for no reason. The, uh, so this is the old version of that, where you see, you see goats, eating under fig trees. What's going on here? The fig is so, so this again, this ultimate blessing of land flowing with milk and honey. Like the fig honey is literally dripping from the figs as these goats are eating the figs. The milk is dripping out from their udders and it's just an overflow, an overflow of milk, an overflow of honey. And and the two are mixed together and Amar and Rabbi Yecheskel declared, ah, this is high news of This is a true, right, manifestation of the Pasuk that it's an eras of Ascholabudvash. It is so plentiful that it's flowing with milk, flowing with honey. (coughs) Excuse me. So, Okay, a personal observation. Um, Lod, which is near the airport, to Ono, you know, curious Ono, the Haredi, uh girl uh, trade school. Okay. So, <coughs> these are places that are still named today in modern day Israel. So, from Lod to Ono is how much? Three miles. I, I didn't check that. <laughs> I left early, <coughs> right? Before Vasikin. <coughs> and I was walking, and the land was so plentiful that there was fig honey up to my ankles. Okay, hold on. Okay. So I myself saw the land flowing with milk and honey in Sipori. <coughs> and all that area that is so incredibly fertile right, like, beyond, right, uh, like, beyond normal, is like an area of 16 by 16 miles. It's an incredible, like, right, <coughs> amount of an area that is just unnaturally fertile. I saw the parts of Israel that are so incredibly fertile as we arrive at Kufiit Beis. These are areas in Bubble already. That area would reach from Bay Mirzi to the Tulbanki crossing. It's a length of 22 sauce by six sauce, approximately a, a thousand square miles. Okay, so a large area. Again, this is not just the productive line. This is like the ridiculously productive part of Eretz Yisrael. Okay. Similarly, an incident to that effect. They went to a place in Aisu Kamaio and their host brought before them a peach an Afarsika. The Hava Ilfas Kfarhino. How big was this Afarsik? As large as a Kfarhino frying pan. Bi Ilfas Kfarhino How large are, are the frying pans in Farhilo? Well, Chamesh Sain five so. That's like a twenty-two gallon frying pan. That ain't no regular frying pan. Oh my God! Did you ever hear the story, uh, Andrew, of Rabbi Chelbo and the giant peach? Okay, sorry. Lish. What do you do with such a giant peach? <clears> Twenty-two <throat> gallon peach. That'll win the, the trade fair every day. So you such a huge peach. You eat half, a third of it. If kir a third of it. You just have to throw away. Be mafkir, abandon it for others. Okay, I guess you feed it, the other third to the Bahamas. Then Lashana, hasam. At the end of the year, goes not be a day. wait a minute. They brought him a peach, but it's time. It was small so small, excuse me, that he can hold it in his hand. To this, he said, eretz pli limlecha miras It's Fruitful land can actually turn into salty wasteland. Melecha, melach. Why? Because of the evil. In other words, you already started to see the beginnings of the korban. All right? So we're talking about that transitional stage where it starts off ridiculously fruitful and starts to wane. And we pray for it to return as it has recent years, okay? Another similar incident when showing that transition, Rabbi Yashu ben Levi iklo He traveled to gavla. He sees clusters of grapes in the vineyard, but from far to the naked eye, it looks like like st- like cattle. Egel, right? Calf. So Amar, a Ben benekvonim, he says, oh, look at this. We have calves walking around in the grapevines. So I realized, no, that's not calves, that's the grapevines. Ketufeninu, they said to him, "Those are the grape clusters." He said, "Oh my God!" Amar Eretz Eretz Achnisi Peresayich. Oh my God, Israel! Eretz Eretz, slow your roll! Achnisi Peresayich. Calm down with the size of these of these fruit. Why calm down? Says right. He said, "Rabbi Shuvan Levi, let me mutziyah Why so big? Why so extravagant? Right? Like when you take Bubby out." Why do you need to do all these special things for me? Barry, I don't want to show off, but I uh, paid a little extra, <clears throat> and I got upgraded to business class on the way to Israel, and I gave it to Bubby. Just, just little stories in case you end up speaking about me. Anyway, so uh, <clears throat> I, I hate to bring it to myself, but, but here, and so Bubby says, why, why, she protests. Why do I need all these luxuries? So similarly here. Who are you doing these luxuries for, right? These are Gedolim. They're saying, why do we need all this material wealth? Like, I understand, you know, fruit to live, but, but, but to this extent, isn't it, as they say? Is this not a little much? For who are all these extravagant fruit? For the Arabs amongst us that are only here because of our khataim? So, at the end of the year, he came, and Chazan Adahabek Haimek Ah. Uh, Perhaps, is in response to Bishub and Levi's admonition, the land did in fact calm down. Now it's not as big as calves, it's smaller, it's like goats. And sure enough, Avchiyah thought that these were goats in the vineyard. so so they said them no, zil. No, 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 we don't want you, we get it. You think it's too big, you think the cluster is too big. Go home, because why? Because the inhabitants of Kleiswell they liked their seasons and whatever, you know, beautiful right, grocery stores they had. They don't need the Gedolim coming and telling them, no, you should have a Pashut. keep it like seven mile level and no greater than that. No, no, they don't want to be admonished. They say, go back to wherever you came from, to your simple life. We got this, right? So that's what they were saying. They were kicking away Rebchia to say, Yeah, we get it. You think this is a little too much, but we were happy with this arrangement. So we don't want you to make any comments because your words are very powerful. And in fact, now, the fruit will diminish further, so we're happy with these goat sized grape clusters. Fine <coughs> now, back to the brasa about the peak productivity Th kurin. a bait saw a piece of land would produce fifty thousand core that 's a lot <clears throat> now let's do the following math: shall in a year with so was developed. We know that saw shivin corn once saw would produce 70 core, right? So in other words, we're really impressed, but it's hard to be impressed when you don't know what a base saw, what a core uh, is, and what these measurements are. So let me give you some relative math, Barry. so on, which we'll soon see, is like considered the most agriculturally developed place outside of eretz So when it was at its peak, it would produce 70 core, right? for the same parts of land. Now, don't forget, we said that in Eretz Yisrael, we would it would be not 70, but 50,000. That's pretty amazing. So Israel was like <clears throat> many times more, right? Like 10,000, no, no, like 7,000 times more than, that's a lot more than so, so on. Titania, let's look at this all in the price. a mayor and Okay, I was in Beishan. I once ran a half marathon in Beishan, Andrew. That's, uh, that's up north. And they have it annually, so Beis saw, it's beautiful over there. So there, Beis Sa also right? The Beis saw produces seventy. But Okay, so now let's compare it to Beis on, because the best place, most fertile place outside of Eretz Yisrael is Egypt, as we know. Shnei Kiganashem, right? There's a puzzle that Eretz Yisrael is like gan, gan Hashem, right? This is the most fertile area that's in, say, for Brazios. Okay, and so on. Where so on? It's the most fertile part of the most fertile place, right? <clears throat> in Mitzrayim. How do we know? You know, all the kings. That's where. That's where the capital was, right? They wanted to be in the best of the best. Right. All the emissaries would be in so on. Okay, that's in Isaiah. That's in the, in the Navi. So, anyways, now. Okay, so now. But is not fertile land. Troshim is like is rocky terrain. Okay, so so Chevron is the worst when it comes to when it comes to uh, planting. The Havu cover yeah, why do you think that's where the cemetery is? Why are the Abbas buried in Chevron? Because yeah, it's good for that. Because it's not good for anything else, right? That land is not a fertile land, so put a cemetery there. But now compare the worst most least fertile land in Israel. To the most fertile land in the most fertile place, which is Mitzrayim, and you can't compare. Chavron <laughs> was seven times more fertile, and so on. Wow, the least fertile part of Eretz Yisrael is seven times more fertile than the most fertile part of anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, that's a straight up pasuk <coughs> in in Bamidbar. And what does it mean? My nivnasa, mamish. If what you're trying to say is Chevron Pashut was built. Right, seven years before, so on. That can't be. When was, when was Hebron built? When was so built? Literally, like a Neinach, coincidence. Right, this week's Parsha, at the end, when it breaks down all the lineage of all the sin, right, all the, the kushim, the Sinim, everyone is like being in Migdal Babel, everyone's like, uh, spread out all over the place, and, and, and all these nations. So, what are you gonna say? You're gonna say that Knan, who is the younger son, <coughs> where Hebron is, that that was built seven years before, what, Mitzrayim? Right? That can't be. uvni cham Mitzrayim Right? cham Who are these people? Cham kush, Mitzrayim, Foot and Knan. Those are the, ch- I'm sorry, kush, Mitzrayim, Foot and Knaan are the children of Cham, Right? Shem, So all these Middle Eastern dudes, Right? All the Africans and the Egyptians, right? And Foot, whatever that is. And Canaan, right? Those are all the children of Ham. And they are written in this week's parsha in order. So Kush is the oldest. And then Mitzrayim. And then Foot, And then Canaan. So clearly Canaan is younger than Kush. So why, how could Hebron be built before Mitzrayim cannot be? <clears throat> it must mean, not that Hebron is seven years um, older than Tzuan, but rather it is seven times more fertile. Wow. And that is the worst part of Eretz Yisrael. That's like the untillable land. Right? That in the fertile parts, that low that are not stony, it could produce 500. And that's when it's not even enjoying bracha. Right? Also, obviously, in that context, in but uh, say fibracious, it's even more so. It's fifty thousand. it's fifty thousand. Way more. It's so much more fertile. Tanya. Okay, so now that's how uh, fertile the produce was. Another price of that effect, tanya, saw A saw of wheat in Yehuda produced five saws. Saw 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 subin, saw That he was just saying that one saw of wheat harvest could produce a saw of all different kinds of flour, <clears throat> not really different kinds, but as the Rashi here uh, explains, it's talking about stages in the process of milling it, right? So first you have it, <clears throat> regular flour, then, fine, then you mill it further to fine flour, then you, you have the bran and the morsin and the coarse bran, what we call the whole wheat, and the, ki, the kiburio, which you might not know what it is, so article hooks you up, this is kibarium, because it May, these are stages in the milling of the flour and all of that, well, what's unusual is is that you're harvesting like a saw and every stage is producing a saw. So there's some sort of expansion that's going on. That's what's going on. Okay. Now, now we're going to get TripAdvisor, five-star reviews of Eretz Yisrael from non-Jewish sources as follows. I'm Le'ahu the Here we're actually seeing a Tzaduki in a not-so-negative context. Every time we bring up a tzaduki, we think somebody's about to get cursed. But here, the Tzaduki is just a regular guy doing trip advisor, so to speak. No, not a guy, but Tzaduki, you know. And he says, It's proper that you sing the praises of Eretz Yisrael. So this is the Tzaduki now saying, My father left me a base saw here in Eretz Yisrael. And from that, I get oil. I have chamar, wine. I get grain. I get legumes, right? Beans. I get roast, I and I have left, stuck to graze. In other words, it's so fertile and so versatile. Five star trip advisor review. This base saw is amazing. Okay. Furthermore, a dialogue. Jews first settled there Labar, Tesoro. So an Amorah here is not one of the Amorim. It's an Amorite from, right, from the nation of Amor. So one of the Amorim says to the Israeli, Hi, Tasa, the Kaima, Aguda, the Yardana. You see that date palm on the bank of the river? How many dates did you harvest? So right, they're basically a talking shop. Like, look how amazing this it, this is. So the Jew says, ah, 60 cars. So I'm like, you only got 60. It's like, you, you show up for five minutes and all of a sudden the land gets worse. You destroyed it. I used to do double until you showed up. I used to do 120 kor from that same tree, so I'm a lay, so Jew said, no, I'm only telling you 60 from one side, not the other side. Which is to say, yeah, it's equally, it's equally, um, e- equally fertile. In other words, 120 kor, it's an amazing amount of fruitfulness. Okay, more fruitfulness of in Ah, what does it mean we say that the, the land is a nachlas Tzvi? How is Eretz Yisrael like a deer? Just like when you have a deer, right? After it's skinned, the hide can contain its own flesh, right? Because it meaning that while it's alive, that hide it naturally expands. So to Eretz Yisrael, the borders can contain the abundance of its produce. In other words, it can contain it, so to speak, but it's so expansive in produce. Or, Just like a deer is the fastest, lightest on its feet. So to Eretz Yisrael, the fruits ripen the fastest. Wait a minute. If we're comparing Eretz Yisrael to a deer, then maybe we'll say a different thing. We know that the deer is not fatty meat. That's lean meat. So, Maybe you could have turned it around and said it in a negative context. Maybe just like tzvi is lean meat, also the fruit is lean and it's not so fertile and rich. So, no. So, that, to counteract that potential second interpretation of that Paslok, that's what we have, No, anything that you can read about it, Israel. read it in the positive, abundant context. Richer than milk, sweeter than honey. Nine lines up from the bottom. Let's talk about aliyah went to amar i've been spared one of three curses mentioned in the pasuk we'll see what the three curses are okay so kisam then he got smicha so amar patli mitarti. okay i was spared from two curses ibor amar when he was given the seat on the council to 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 the ibor to right to give the calculations of the dates. So it mitlas. Now I've been spared from all of them. In other words, Now we're going to explain what we're talking about. Which says, right, that there's going to be, right, prophets who see worthless visions, what's going to happen. They won't be considered prophets. They won't be allowed to make aliyah. They won't be allowed to, uh, to, to get smicha. And so that's what's going to happen to all the, fall, the, the, right, the, the false prophets. So when Rabbi Lazar came to Eretz and sure enough, he was able to make aliyah, and then he was able to get smicha, and then he had a seat that calculated the days, he knew that he was not, so to speak, included in this curse. As each stage happened, he said, oh, I've been spared these curses. Right, so that's what it means. says It's a reference to the Soda Ibur, which we've talked about at great length. Um, <coughs> when we're learning the other Masechtas in Rosh Hashanah etc of um, of the the Kiddush HaChodesh etc and and being ma'aber, the Chodesh be won't be inscribed this S'micha that was the way of S'micha then a little different than now but it's referring to uh, the S'micha which he got like right S'micha like what we call S'micha for Rabbanim like, just like it sounds at, that they enter Eretz Yisrael, he was able to make aliyah and that was a fulfillment um, of seeing that he was not cursed in that way. Now, Rabbi Zera, Kiyav HaSalei Kleretz Rabbi Zehra made aliyah Lo Ashkach Mibar Limibar He couldn't find the ferry. He wanted to cross. He was making aliyah from across the river and he missed his flight. So, Nakut B'mitzur V'Kavar So he held onto a rope and he strung it across the river and he did basically like a tightrope walk into Eretz Yisrael. I'm a little Tzaduki. So Tzaduki sees this and says to him, I'm a Paziza. You guys are impetuous. Right? Mishalim paz. This is also, I think, Paziza. Was that Yehuda? Or maybe, no, that's maybe Shimon and Levi. Paziza means that you're impetuous. Okay? kadmisu No, I think it was Ruvain. I think it was Ruvain in retrospect. Anyway, the point is, it's in the Berchus of Yaakov to his sons, that it's impetuous. The kadmisu pu you put your mouth before years, why? Because we said Nasib and Venishma." In other words, we're a little bit impetuous. We get ahead of ourselves. So here, Reb Zera is climbing a tightrope that's a little dangerous. What are you doing? So, just like you did Nassivanishma, and that was like kind of like an impetuous thing to do. So to you are acting out of your mind, right? You're acting impetuously. So to him This is. Our we where in Zohar to enter Eretz Yisrael, and I have an opportunity. I see it across the river. I'm going to pass up the opportunity. There is, therein lies the balance. You have right. People will tell you, oh, don't maybe, maybe like don't make aliyah because there's this concern and that concern. Yeah, but Eretz Yisrael, it's Eretz Yisrael. The love for Eretz Yisrael should trump all. Okay. So Rabbi, so furthermore, Rabbi Abba Kefe de Daako. When Rabbi Abba would walk, he would kiss the stones of Akko in Eretz Yisrael. would fixed all the roads because he wanted all the roads to be smooth for everyone. Rabbi Ami, as we turn to Kuf Bazam and Amad and we see the finish line. Kaimi, <clears throat> They would stand up in the middle of Shear and if it was cold, they moved move to the sun. If it, was, if it was hot, they'd move to the shade. Just so that nobody, like when Yodah and Rashi explains, right, that nobody should ever have anything negative to say. Rashi, eretz Rashi, Nobody should ever have any negative thing to say on Eretz Yisrael. They would try to make it as good as possible. So that in itself is a value to make Eretz Yisrael beautiful and comfortable for people. He used to roll in the dust. It says in Tehillim, your servants cherish your stone and favor her dust. Ramat is constantly under construction, isn't it Barry? I feel like I have half of Ramat Chemish Gimel in my nostrils. It, uh, for, for 16 years I breathed that. And Rabbi <laughs> um, Danny Myers Shlita used to say I lick the dust I lick the dust right okay now we talk about the abundant blessings and let's just talk about the challenges Ben David Ba in the generation of the Mashiach Ben David category of Tamir you'll experience that the Tamir Chachamim aren't going to have a lot of respect this is like immediately preceding Mashiach is when people are going to start getting chutzpah. Amar. When I said this in front of Shmuel, he said, "Seirfachat Seirf." Yeah, harsh decrees, right, will be followed by more harsh decrees. It's like a smelting after a smelting. Right? When there's a tenth of it, it's going to be purged again and again and again. Tani of to which of Yosef taught, "Bazuzei de debazuzei, plunderers and plunderers of blunderers. This is like the immediate pre, uh, prelude in. Uh, to the days of Mashiach, to which we finish the Masech on a positive note. Even an Ilan srak which if you weren't here before, guys, is an, even a non-fruit-bearing tree, will bear fruit. That the tree bore its fruit, the fig tree and grapevine have yielded their wealth, a pasuk and yol of all places. Uh, how fortunate are we that we... Uh, we have the ability to see this come to fruition, uh, literally and figuratively, the blossoming of Eretz Yisrael. May be to see Eretz Yisrael and Yerushalayim built to its full extent. Hadron alak shnei din exeros v'slikalay um ksubis. to continue tomorrow. Bezat Hashem with maseches nadar mitnran. You're all invited, and thank you for joining us for maseches ksubis.